and welcome to Hospice Insights, The Lawn Beyond, where we connect you to what matters in the ever-changing world of hospice and palliative care. A 0% error rate, an inspiring story on how you get there. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Mary Kay Tyler, Chief Quality and Compliance Officer at Hospice of the Western Reserve. She shares strategies for achieving the elusive goal of improved clinical documentation. As Mary Kay discusses, you start with what can make the biggest impact. For GIP, that is often physician and NP documentation. We break down how she leveraged her EMR, fostered buy-in and cultivated accountability, and remembered to listen throughout the process. Now go get a pen. You won't want to miss any of these helpful takeaways. Mary Kay, you're one of my favorite people. I'm so glad that you're here. So thank you for, for taking the time to share what, what are really helpful insights. So, oh, Well, I'm happy to be here. So you and I did a little pre-planning on, on the session. And, you know, I came up with, as you were explaining all the things you, you have done internally, sort of broke things down into sort of six different buckets. And I, I think for, for our listeners, this is so helpful because everyone is dealing with could be a number of TPEs at the moment, and you have CPI audits and all these other things, right? And so you feel buried, and then you're supposed to be making improvements, and how do you do that? And so when you and I were were talking, what really struck me was just, you know, breaking it down and focusing on the things that matter, right? Because going and telling people like, be better, doesn't really move the mark. And you really moved the mark and made meaningful difference. And so wanted to, to share some of those those secrets and magic or, or whatever. So the first thing that struck me was, I, I call it the biggest bang. You can't do it all at once who do you focus on first? And so in the intro, I talked about physician and NPs and you, and, and we're talking about GIP documentation in particular, but you really felt that those were the professionals on the team that could have the biggest impact, right? Right. Um, really looked at when I sit down and do a summary, where am I looking for that summary information? And so I thought, well, I, you know, I first look at the physician or NP documentation. Um, obviously, you got to review the entire chart, but that was my starting point. So uh, worked very closely with our chief medical officer. And um, underneath the quality team, we do have our computer education team, our clinical software team. So by putting those two groups together, really worked on how can we improve the documentation by our physicians and nurse practitioners to really paint the picture better. I mean, our, obviously we all believe that we're providing the right level of care. We just need to have that documentation that demonstrates that. And our physicians, you know, bought into that because we were, you know, we sat down not just with the medical director, but a couple key physicians who are in our inpatient facilities and said, okay, this is why you, this patient's here, tell me more about it. And you could pull out from their conversation that there was a lot more behind their decision than what was in their (laughs) documentation. So now, okay, we got to get that documentation and did it with real patients at the real time. You know, right now this patient's here, tell me why. 
hey, look at your documentation from yesterday. That really doesn't tell me what you just told me. Yeah. So let's go over it. And we sat down really word from word to try to give them some better key phrases to use. And I think that's so important because, right, sometimes we get wrapped up on doing everything all at once mm-hmm. and everything needs to be perfect. And what we're trying to do is move the mark. And so I, I totally agree with you. It's like, well, what did the physician say or the NP? That's the first thing you're going to jump to. So, of course, if you're trying to improve documentation, isn't it focusing first on those people? But I, I really, because, right, everyone could improve their documentation, nurses, Correct. chaplains, Maybe chat. Maybe chaplains don't need to improve their documentation. They're usually really <laughs> robust, but um, most people could. And just that drumbeat of "oh, just be better," um, and we're going to break down what better is. But mm-hmm. but I think that that was a really helpful insight of who am I going to focus on first because they're going to ha- make the biggest difference. Like, could they make a 50% difference in the overall, if we're looking at the overall quality of the documentation supporting the level of care of the physician and NP. And then the second, and, and you mentioned this is, and it's the second point on my list was leveraging your EMR. So right. Um, there's many um, fabulous things about EMRs, and there's many things that are real frustrating. And in our operational series, we're talking about EMR glitches because I feel like we're constantly dealing with some pretty big EMR glitches. But speaking on the plus side, there's a lot of things you can do to customize your EMR to make information easier to be comparative for physicians and other things so that they can look at things, right? We say we want clinicians to be comparative, but, you know, if they have to go through 10 million screens to get there, is that really going to be very helpful and are they really going to do it? So can you share some tips you did with your EMR? Sure. Um, One of the things to reduce having to click from one screen to the other to get information was to add a um, plan of care summary section. So our EMR, you are able to bring elements forward. So you would need an EMR that can bring some. So we customized bringing that section forward. So whoever was seeing the patient, you know, uh, one provider saw the patient on Monday, and maybe there is a different provider that comes for day two of GIP. They would see that brief summary of the plan of care, and it would have a date and the physician's initials at the end of it. And then when they did their documentation, they would then put that brief, and it's usually only one to two sentences. It's not, you know, really a lot of work for them to do, but it is a free narrative that they can add. And then when you're looking at it, you see that running summary each day. Mm. Now we ran up to, if someone's in GIP for a very long time, we do have to start deleting some of the first entries. Um, But really to teach people, maybe it's 5,000 characters that's in that field. Um, So um, that has been very helpful um, to really get a sense of, hey, what have we been working on for the last three days? And this is the new change on day four that makes a difference. So I think that was very helpful. Well, and when you say care plan, right, it is like 
the critical document, but oftentimes mm -hmm. <clears throat> you don't see care plans change or not as often as I think mm -hmm. ideally you'd want. So how do you tell the story? It's hard to say, oh, all these things are going on, but not a lot has changed because you have to find the changes through the individual clinical notes as opposed to you know, the care plan, which is the overarching thing. So that's mm -hmm. really interesting. So, so was that based on feedback that you got from this outreach with your physicians about, well, I'd like you to be more comparative and, and, it was based on the feedback and the fact that we had a couple providers, you know, um, that would just come in for a day to cover when someone was off. And so we made sure we not only talked to the providers that are normally there, but the ones that were covering and said, you know, how are you struggling with knowing what you need to know about the patients? Um, and that did was brought forward by the people that don't spend a lot of time in the unit. Hey, I, I would like a really quick summary. And, you know, I, I do look at the other documentation, but probably not as thoroughly as I don't have time. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a limited amount of time for all of us. Which bleeds into this third point, which is it takes a village. Mm -hmm. Compliance, right? You are not just one person. I mean, you have a team of people, but still, right? I mean, uh -huh. you're a really large organization. I mean, how many right. hospice patients do you have on? Um, we a have a, a 1,300 hospice patients. 1,300 hospice three providers. And how, okay. And how many units do you have, GIP units? Uh, four GIP units. So, Obviously, you mm -hmm. and your compliance team can't just will this to happen, right? So Correct, you really right. need to get other people to buy into it, to carry water for you. And so it can't just come from on high from compliance because we know that that fails, right? If you just say, it, it come certainly on, does. So, so how did you approach this differently under the sort of guise of it takes a village? When you decided to to say, okay, I'm going to take GIP and mm -hmm. have this particular goal in mind, how did you approach it differently than maybe okay. something else you have in the past? Um, I think our physicians and nurse practitioners, uh, we've cultivated over the last couple of years, really keeping them informed on what's going on. You know, uh, what what CMS is looking at, what OIGs looking at, and they really have, and that's by regular attendance at their staff meetings. It may only be 10 minutes in their staff meeting, but it really, and getting the pepper report out to all of them. Since we are a large yeah. institution, it can't just be, let's get it to leadership and the CMO. It, it needs to get to the ground level. So we've cultivated that over the last couple of years. And so for this, what we decided, we leveraged, um, a reporting system that we have that takes information out of our EMR and can create reports for us. Hmm. And um, we designed a report that gave us every day, um, the CMO, myself, our CEO, and our chief clinical officer get a report of all the patients in GIP for greater than five days. That report is then sent to whoever's at the units and the expectation is there to respond to that email to the chief medical officer justifying why that patient's still in GIP. 
just once again, it is a quick sentence. It's not mm-hmm. a narrative. We're talking three, four words. Um, Sub-Q medications being used, a new symptom of agitation, whatever that is, and it's justified. Or their response is, hey, we're changing them to routine home care today. Or your report's wrong. They changed to routine home care over the weekend. Go see what's wrong with your report. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we have found some other interesting things in doing that. Um, But that's really given the ownership back to the actual providers who are making that decision. Once Mm -hmm. again, stressing, we believe they're making the right decision. Let's just um, have some transparency to that decision for leadership to see um, and then for us to feel more secure. Um, That has really been helpful. And um, I think they bought into it very well. I mean, we didn't get any pushback like, oh, you're just watching us or no negative. Um, But we had these conversations, but we didn't just do it. We talked through it. What do you think about this? How would that work? And they were all very receptive. And I'm talking both uh, physicians and MPs because we don't every day. We don't necessarily have a physician at our unit. It may be an MP. Yeah. Um, And then in our unit that's a little larger, we made one person the contact, even though uh, there may be two providers that day. Um, And then that way it was very clear they know who's supposed to do that. They weren't, oh, is he doing it today or is she doing it today? And there wasn't that confusion. Well, and I I think what you say about sharing compliance things regularly. So Mm -hmm. it's not just Mary Kay says this, right? This is what the government's concerned about. And this is, and so there's buy-in, right? Every job, every person's job has a compliance element to it, right? So it's not a department. It is really an obligation of everyone. And so I think pulling that through into if I'm going to have a compliance initiative of improving documentation, that sort of, it takes a village because, and I I do think you need to deal with this whole compliance fatigue or improvement fatigue. People get like, ugh, you keep asking me to do more and more and more. And I think, you know, my reflection as you're talking is you focused on pretty, pretty, I don't want to say small things, but right. It's not like write two paragraphs every day about why the person is eligible. It's like we're carrying through this care plan thing. And then with your five day report, you're not expecting them to like over respond. Right. Because we expect they they do have their eye on the ball and that they can very quickly say, yeah, this is why this person, I know they're on day six of GIP, but they need it because, and then they fill in that sentence as opposed to making it, you know, I want, you know, this beautiful (laughs) narrative. And I think that that was key um, that we were realistic in what we were expecting people to do. Yeah. Um, And our, we didn't make these changes. We had the, we have a new CMO. He's been here just a year now, but he actually got to experience using our EMR and he still does it on a you know regular yeah. basis when he's covering it. Uh, the same with myself, really trying to keep up. Now, usually they have to fix some of my documentation. I do make errors. <laughs> they, the team does get a little nervous. Um, but anyway, still being experienced and be able to really talk yeah. realistically. 
uh, there's another section of their note that is pre-populated so they can click which the symptoms are. And we added some very important narrative to, to those. And I'll just give you one example. Um, medication adjustment requiring 24-7 skilled nursing monitoring, which cannot be managed in the home setting. So by adding cannot be managed in the home setting or some variation of that, I think that it put a lot more weight on yes. these statements. And then, you know, their summary may then say, you know, chain, you know, increased medication frequency to Q one hour, something like that. But some of this they can easily click, which is helpful also. That is is so helpful. I was just emailing a client about reviewing some GIP examples. And I feel like they read part of the um, guidance about when GIP is appropriate, but then not paying or being as attentive to the second half, which is it cannot be managed in another setting, right? And like hitting that home, it's not just about the pain and symptom management. It's like and it can't be managed anywhere else but mm -hmm. here, right? And I think that that sometimes documentation just really says, well, they have this condition and they're getting IV medication, so of course. And it's like, well, you still need to say more, like, could we try something else? Or So I, I think that that's really smart and really helpful. Um, so then, and you talked a little bit about this. And so the fourth thing on my list was how to build accountability and the role of leadership. And it sounds like, so you do all this proactive stuff and you do this with your EMR. And so is the accountability piece really in those for people who are on over five days, this leadership report, is that where the accountability comes in? Uh, that Yeah, I really, I, not that the ones for less than five days aren't, you know, in the appropriate level of care. But yes, I think the the providers realize that they are going to need to respond to that email. I have to say there's a hundred percent response. Sometimes wow. it's a little later in the day than we'd like, but we usually get, hey, I'm swamped. Um, emails coming. You know, there's a yeah. quick email that wow. we know that's coming out. Um, and so really 100% compliance with them responding to it and and knowing that, you know, we're there's an important reason for why we're asking this question. And then we did share with them when these changes resulted in a substantial decrease. I mean, we went to a zero error rate and we had double digit error. You know, I don't want to say exactly how high it was, but yeah. it was high. Yeah. Um, and really made sure that they were thanked for that and yes. that we've continued to make modifications as they've brought them forward. And I think that they, um, I really do think that the providers feel that it's a, a joint effort and this is a team approach. Uh, they do know that nursing's next on the list Yeah, <laughs> to improve it. I think, yeah. you know, we've also gotten their input. What would you like to see in the nursing documentation that's going to help you? You beat me to it. The, the fifth point I had on my list is the balancing doing with listening mm -hmm. and reevaluate regularly because, right, we just need to begin and then valid, you know, evaluate whether or not that was helpful, right? And if you found out everything you just did wasn't moving the marker, abandon it, right? Start with something right. else, get feedback. Why did that not work? You know, I just, because sometimes I think, 
we get scared. Well, I put a lot of time into doing this and I thought it was going to work. And, and then just pushing mm-hmm. harder on the same thing. And it's like, I got to, I got to get feedback and I got to, you know, hear from others because what I thought was going to work isn't really moving the mark. Now you nailed it. I mean, to have a 0% error rate, I mean, is remarkable and kudos like you said, not just to the compliance team, but all of your providers. And let's just say, it's not that care was any different or that people are more eligible. It's just connecting those dots in a more clear way, um, which I think really when your audience for this documentation is a reviewer who may not, um, well, will never see this patient, may not have tons of familiarity with hospice, right? Like you need to lead them and connect the dots. And so it's Mm -hmm. a real testament to, I think, building your idea with input on the front end and then reevaluating it again with those same people about what's working, what's not working. And you had the good fortune that, wow, out of the gates, you got a lot of movement, um, positive movement. And so, so then the the last thing I had on my list was persistence, right? Because have we solved this problem forever, right? <laughs> like, who knows? Um, <laughs> who knows, right? And so it's probably worth, because like, when do you stop sending the emails for the patients um, on day five? And do we I, keep that forever? I, I We're going to keep it for a while. You know, yeah. um, we really don't see it as a burden. Um, no one um, is complaining that it's a burden right now. So um, as long as the scrutiny now, we may have to add, you know, other things to that. Yeah. You know, so if we identify another area and and things kind of stay quiet in the GIP area a year from now, maybe, you know, we would focus on something else. Um, And one of the things that I'm kind of focusing on, and I know this is off subject, is those certs of terminal illness, because you sit in team and you listen to what they're saying. And then I go and look at the cert and I'm like, hmm, you know, you really provided some good education, Dr. Smith, and I don't see it in your cert. And, you know, we got to somehow get that information because once again, the reviewer could not, may have no medical knowledge and you need to get that to them. So um, we'll probably keep it for another year. And if things quiet down, we'll change the focus. We don't want to overwhelm yeah. and have two things yeah. at the same time. But. Yeah. But I I think that um, it is really important in terms of trying to figure out the disconnect sometimes. And because I've done a lot of documentation training in my, my um, day, and I, I feel like the audience is really important. Like, who are you writing this for? And I think they think they're writing it for themselves or like the physician that comes on tomorrow. But it's like you're really writing this for some third party reviewer three years from now who may look at this. Right. And so right. it's got to stand on its own. Right. And so it's got to give enough color. Um, but sometimes I, I think giving folks perspective on who's the audience for your documentation, because 
that may lead you to use less shorthand. Like a lot of physician notes have lots of shorthand. I mean, now when people can type, I think it's a little bit better, but still there's a lot of medical language and things that people don't necessarily understand because another physician is not really going to be reviewing this, right? It's going to be right. um, a clinician who may or may not have any hospice experience. So, you know, and ultimately, if you have to appeal it, you're going to go to an administrative law judge who is a lawyer and knows nothing about medical stuff, right? So, um, and I, I think it's an important skill for, and we talk about physicians having to expand their role as being advocates, right? Because so often you have to appeal cases and your physicians need to feel comfortable looking at it from another perspective because when they have to look at documentation from three years ago and scratch your head and be like, okay, why did I think this? I wish I wrote more, right? Like, right. So I think that both the perspective of who your audience is, but also this five-year rule, like I, this document has to stand up, you know, five years from now that I can know why I did what I did and all that stuff, because it is really that contemporaneous documentation that's going to be the most persuasive than me saying five years later, well, this is what I was thinking, mm-hmm. but it's not documented. So so that persistence, I think, is is really helpful and great to know that that you're not running into that fatigue where people are just like, I'm going to just peace out because you just keep asking more and more of me and I want to spend time caring for my patients and not do all of this stuff. And But I also think seeing that it was so successful and resulted in a 0% error rate on GIP, I mean, that's remarkable. That's huge. Yeah, it certainly is. And I do think, as you've said a couple of times, the buy-in and working with the providers was was key. We didn't just hand them something that yeah. the quality team came up with, you know, because that those interventions almost always fail. So we learned we from change. those mistakes, right? Like certainly yeah. have. Because <laughs> I, I do think it's like, well, this makes sense to me in compliance, but, but mm-hmm. it was a blending of what do you look for when you write a summary and then partnering with the people Correct. who are documenting and say, here's what I need, here's what you do, how can we blend these together and, and really make a difference? But, well, I, t- I told you you should frame that letter. And, yes, I um, think. I, it and I'm keeping be. it in my office. Yes. I exactly. Because <laughs> it is just a wonderful story. And I, I think that, um, you know, you're still providing the great care, but the more you can connect the dots and make it really clear for reviewers to say, oh, yeah. These these symptoms cannot be managed in another setting because, and then they are answering that question in their documentation and not just in an esoteric way. Like that's in the back of my mind, but you're really completing a sentence that, that has that built in. Correct. Awesome. Well, this was an inspiring story to me and because I feel like people always like to hear happy endings, obviously, but also just something meaningful that you did that made a difference and harnessing your EMR, which it sounds like played a really big role in terms certainly of did. what you're able to accomplish. So yay to, to EMRs, they have tons of value uh, if we can use them correctly. Certainly do, thank you. 
I so appreciate you taking the time to share all of your insights. This is um, an incredible story and I think really great takeaways for our listeners. So my pleasure. Well, that's it for today's episode of Hospice Insights, The Law and Beyond. Thank you for joining the conversation. To subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at hushblackwell.com or sign up wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, may the wind be at your back. Thank you.